0: This is the West Point Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us online this week. If you'd like to give or support West Point Church in any way, you can visit westpoint.org give. We hope you enjoy today's message and have a great rest of your week. Thank you, worship team. And uh, just uh, before I get into the message this morning, I just want to remind you that if you uh, want to give, you can give online. You can give in the boxes in back. Um, and then um, uh, we are starting a brand new series this morning. Uh, before we do that, I just want to just bring up one quick thing. How many know that there's an election this week? Did you hear about that? <laughs> it's it's kind of been a big deal. Uh, you know, a, a guy that I know uh, was preaching at Eagle Brook Church last week, and he uh, he posted a video clip online uh, from his message, and one of the things he said in that video clip was, Tuesday is a big day for politicians, but Wednesday is a big day for Christians. Now, I think I think he probably would have changed that to Sunday, because it took, you know, five days to figure out what's going on, but Tuesday is a big day for some politicians, Wednesday is a big day for Christians, and, and can I encourage you with this thought, Um god didn't uh wasn't watching fox news on saturday and saw that the election was called and he thought oh no what are we gonna do now (laughs) i didn't see that one coming oh no guys what are we gonna do now can i tell you something Our God is sovereign. He's in control. And no matter what happens with our elections, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. You don't have to get excited or anxious about that. We can trust that God is going to fulfill his plans and his purposes. He's going to continue to use his church. The church will not fail. It will not die. It will not be collapsed by any human system. Okay, So let's just relax and let's show the world that we have peace. And that no matter what is going on in our world, no matter what happens, that we have peace. Because our peace doesn't come from our circumstances. Uh, Can we do a little bit better with the amens here? I mean, I'm preaching here, okay? We have peace. And we don't have to worry about what is happening tomorrow. I I got two over here at least. All right. So three. All right. All right. Okay. Let's get into this this uh, series this morning. We're, we're starting a new series called The Creed, and uh, I'm really excited about this. We've been planning this for a while. Um, actually, we were planning to do this series back in May and just felt like it wasn't the right time, so we pushed it back. And uh, this we're going to be going through this five weeks of this series on what we as Christians believe what all Christians believe. And there are some differences within the church, right? That's why we have denominations. That's why we have a million different kinds of churches. But uh, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are part of the Christian faith, um, you will adhere to these basic beliefs. And so we're going to go through some of those things. And one of the reasons that that I want to do that is so that, one, you know what those things are and we can identify what makes us a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and the second thing is to kind of have an appreciation for these standards that have been put in place throughout the church, throughout its history, that we adhere to. So um, we're going to be going through the Apostles' Creed. Um, and uh, we'll be kind of taking uh, that line by line and, and going through that. And then in addition to these five messages on Sunday morning, on December 1st and December 8th, Uh, Those are Tuesday nights. Uh, We're going to be doing a class here at the church where we dive into some more of the... um, the, As I said, these are kind of statements that we as Christians universally believe. And then Tuesday night, we're going to look at some of the things within that that are maybe disagreed upon within the church that don't necessarily reflect, well, you're a Christian or you're not, but it's more differences of opinion within the church as we look at scripture and interpret it. So um, kind of put that in your calendar. We'll have more information on that as we come December 1st and December 8th. Okay, so why this series? Um, I already mentioned that these are the basics of belief that all Christian all Christian churches adhere to, um, but there are a few other things. We should know what we believe. How, how many would agree with that? Right? Sometimes it's like we, we understand that we have a relationship with Jesus, we've placed our faith in Him, but being able to articulate what you believe is really important. Because hopefully, if you're living your life the way that you should, and you're walking in faith, and you're interacting with people, and you're sharing your faith with others, then people are naturally going to ask you some questions. Right. Sometimes we don't share our faith because we're like, what if they ask me something? <laughs> so hopefully through this series it will give you the tools to be able to answer some of those questions before we get too far down that road though i want you to know that it's okay if you don't know all the answers if somebody asks you a question that you don't know you can say you know i don't know let me let me uh do some research on that. let me talk to some people and maybe i'll get back to you that's okay to do that you don't have to have all the answers to share your faith But we should be in that process of developing our ability to communicate why we believe what we believe. Um, We should also be able to evaluate what we believe from time to time. You know, um, my theology has changed pretty significantly from when I was four years old and gave my life to Christ to where it is today. And can I tell you something? There are things that are still changing as I'm studying God's Word and I think that we do ourselves a disservice when we say, I am fixed in my theology, I know what I believe, and I'm not open to any uh, any change in those areas. Now, there are things that we should adhere to within our faith that, that should be fixed and should be determined. But we should always come to God's Word with an open mind and allow the Holy Spirit to change our convictions as we read and interpret Scripture. So I would ask that... that as we're talking about these things, that, that you would do that. You would evaluate what you believe, and you can even ask questions of God. Did you know that he's not scared of your questions? That there's nothing that you can ask him that he's going to be like, okay, wait, wait, we don't want to go down that road. I don't have an answer for that one, right? It's, it's just kind of like this election. It's like God's not scared of, of what happened. He's not intimidated by what happened in American politics. He's not intimidated by your questions either. He has answers for them. You might not always get the answers that you want. And uh, sometimes we come to different conclusions as believers. But it's okay to ask questions about your faith and to talk to God about it. I think that will strengthen your faith rather than weaken it. Um, And then also confessing what we believe increases our character and our resolve for the mission that God has given to us. Um, so, as we speak out what we believe, it gives us confidence in what we believe. There's something that happens when we say it, when we speak it out as well. And it gives us a, a new um, enthusiasm for, for acting out the faith that God has, has given to us. So, first of all, what is a creed? <laughs> um, here's a definition that, that we're going to kind of use. But a creed is a systematic statement of faith. And by the creeds of the Christian church, we mean the formal expression of the faith which was delivered unto the saints. All right, so we're going to be going through the Apostles' Creed. And um, just to give you a little bit of background on the Apostles' Creed, it is the oldest creed. We don't know exactly where it came from, but it it has been in the church uh, since the third century. Um, It was... Probably a response in the early church, in the third century, to a guy named Marcon, Mar, 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 Marcion. I don't know if it's Marcion or Marcion. Uh, but he was teaching that the God who sent Jesus was a different God than, than the God of the Hebrew people, the God of the Jews. And uh, that's a heresy. That's not true. And so as a response to that, they created this statement of belief in the church, and they started reciting this so that people would be able to articulate what they believe. Now, there are actually four major creeds, and we're not going to go into all of them. We're going to focus on the Apostles' Creed, but there's also the Nicene Creed, and that's a far more developed statement of faith. Uh, It's much more extensive, and it's really good, and if you want to look at that on your own, um, I would welcome you to do that. There's the Chalcedonian Creed and the Athanasian Creed as well. But frankly, we picked the Apostles' Creed because it is the shortest, (laughs) and it is the most well-known. So uh, feel free to dive into some of those others as well. Now, one of the things that you're going to see as we look at the Apostles' Creed is that it really is based around the idea that God uh, is the triune God. He's, He's... There's the Trinity, that's the three parts of God. And this creed is a Trinitarian confession. Now, the word Trinity never appears in the Bible. Did you know that? But its definition is an attempt to paint the picture of how God describes himself in his word. Uh, It's an expression for the revelation of the one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Son. And the Holy Spirit and the basis in scripture on which it's built can be summarized as follows there's only one God each of the three divine persons is recognized to be God and God's self revelation recognizes distinction among these three persons in that there are interactions among them and these distinctions are not just a matter of revelation as received by humans but are also eternally imminent in the Godhead. Is anybody confused yet? (laughs) Right? Now, here's the reality. You're in good company because there isn't a theologian that has ever walked this earth that has fully understood how the Trinity works. Okay? Uh, Let's just be honest right here. Like, this concept, this idea, this picture of who God is, isn't something that's, like, easy to grasp that we can figure out on our own but God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And, and we don't fully comprehend or understand how he works. But we know that, that what we've said this morning is true because Scripture tells us that it is. Um, now, we know that, that God is three parts, and there are so many different passages of Scripture that we can look at. But even if you go back to the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26... Have you ever wondered why God says, let us make man in our own image? Right? There's a plural statement there, right from creation. It's not, hey, I should make man in my own image. It's not God talking to himself. It's this interaction that, that begins with the Trinity. When Jesus was baptized, that's another perfect example of that. He's baptized. The dove descends from heaven and rests on him. And a voice from heaven says, this is my son. In whom I'm well pleased. So there's that interaction within the Trinity. We can see that there are separate persons that make up one God, right? And they they interact with each other at times. So we we know that that uh, this exists. And the Apostles' Creed is really developed on that idea. There's kind of three sections to it. There's a very brief section, which we're going to cover this morning, on the, the Father. There's a longer section on the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, and then it lays out several ideas under that category as well. Now, I grew up in a Lutheran church, um, and uh, we did church aerobics. You stand up, sit down, read this, you know. So, uh, we are going to do something like that this morning, and I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to recite this together. Uh, As we're going to read through the Apostles' Creed together as a statement of faith. And we're probably going to do this every week as we go through the series. Now, I want to just forewarn you here, if you're not familiar with the Apostles' Creed, you're going to see in there, at some point, it's going to say the Holy Catholic Church. Now, some of you came in here today and you're like, I went on the website and it said we were part of the Assemblies of God, not, not the Catholic Church. And when we see Catholic... Uh, It it just means the universal church, the church as a whole, okay? Uh, It doesn't mean the Roman Catholic Church, so uh, you're not at St. Maximilian Kolbe or anything like that this morning. You came to West Point Church, uh, but we are part of a bigger church, and that's what that means. So let's read it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Lord, I thank you that those words are true, that you are who you said you were in your word. And Lord, we are confident of that. And as we look at, at This statement this morning about who you are. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us. Lord, not just through your word as we study it, but in our hearts as well, that we would see who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So part one here, we're going to be looking at this first line, that's God, the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We're going to look at those two statements. And we're going to kind of break it down and, and, and explain a little bit about what that means. But let's start with that first part of that statement, that I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Um, now, who is the Father? Here's the crazy thing about God that differentiates our God from any other God, any other religion, any other faith. It's that our God is all-powerful. Now... A lot of religions will claim that as well, that their God is all-powerful, that, that he can do great and wonderful and mighty things or terrible and awful things as well. But, but here's the difference. Here's what differentiates us. It's that our God is all-powerful and mighty and great, and at the same time, he's loving as well. In fact, when, when, uh, when we're describing who God is, if you look at 1 John, it, it says that God is love, that he is the definition of love for us. And, and you can take both of those things, and, and they sometimes seem like they're maybe like separate characteristics. They're warring against each other. Um, man has created many gods over the course of human history. Many of them are powerful, but almost all of them are self-serving. And the reason for that is because when man makes a God, he makes it in man's image. And we as men are self-serving. We as human beings are concerned about what benefits us. Never has that been more present than right now in history. Okay, You see it all the time that people are concerned about what's right for them. And and that's the way that, that our world is operating right now. But God didn't, wasn't, uh, the God that we serve wasn't formed or created by man, right? It worked the other way around. He formed and created us. He made us in his own image. We rejected that, and we chose a, a, a different path. But God has always been love. Since the beginning of time, since before he created the world, he was love, And so, while he's great and all-powerful and wonderful and awesome, he's also loving at the same time. And those two things aren't warring against each other, they're working together. That's what's different about our Father than any other God. Before the world even began, um, there was a plan in place for redeeming mankind. He knew that man would fall. He knew that man would sin. And he had already put a plan in place to redeem them. That's how loving our God was and is. Now, if this seems like it's a contrast, um, it, it usually, we as Christians kind of identify with one or the other. We either see God as great and powerful and awesome or we see God as loving and kind and compassionate. But it's really only when we recognize both of those characteristics as one that we get a true picture of what our Heavenly Father is. For example, if you emphasize His power and His greatness, then things like holiness and spiritual discipline and good theology are probably things that you are hungry for. You want to do it right because God is great and He deserves our honor, and our respect. And if you focus on his loving nature, you're going to gravitate towards personal prayer time and expressive worship and intimacy with God. But it's never been either or. It's never been one or the other. He is simultaneously great and awesome and inspiring and loving and caring all at the same time. Now, here are some things that we believe about our God, that we know are true from scripture. First of all, he's sovereign. Uh, Simply put, that means that he has the authority and the ability to do what he wants. Okay, so um, there there aren't restraints on God doing what he wants to do. He can do what he wants when he wants to do it. And he can do that because he's omnipotent, or that that word means all powerful, that he has all power. He's also omnipresent. He's capable of being everywhere at the same time. He's eternal. He has no beginning or no end. Now that is a tough concept to figure out as a human being. Like everything has a beginning and an end, right? We think in linear terms, but God is not restrained by our timelines. He was there before the world began, and he will be there for all eternity. Uh he's also holy. That means he's without sin. He's perfect. Now, that should inspire fear in us, but if you combine it with his loving nature, you have a God who's perfect in his power, but compassionate and merciful as well, to the point where despite his perfection, he would give anything for his creation, even his own son think about that for a minute. You know, I was, I remember very distinctly at one point in my life, I was i was in college and I was sitting in my dorm room and I was writing a paper and um, it, it was on the sovereignty of God. And I, at the same time, I had worship music playing in the background. And I remember the song to this day. It was a song called Once Again by Matt Redmond. Maybe that dates me a little bit. Uh, it was a few years ago. But I was listening to that song and, and um The lyrics were, once again, I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. Once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my life. Once again. And I I started listening to that and I'm, I'm writing about the sovereignty of God and how amazing and powerful he is. And that same God sent his very only son to die for my sin. And the, the, in that moment, it was just overwhelming for me. I just lost it. I'm sitting there in my dorm room, just weeping over the fact that, that what God did for me on the cross. It was that recognition that God is holy and powerful and good, and yet he cares for me. That's amazing. right? That should be moving to us. That should inspire us. fact, 1 John 4, 9 through 10 says this, in the love of God was made manifest, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son in the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So not only is God who He is Almighty God, but He's also, as we read this morning, the Creator of heaven and earth. Now we know this from Genesis one one. It's probably one of the the first verses you memorized. It says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." But why is it so important to know that God is our Creator? Well, first of all, belief in God as Creator is the foundation for everything else that we believe about God. If we uh, don't believe that God was already in existence before the world began, then, then God isn't really who he said he is in his word. Believing that is essential to understanding who God is. Second thing is that God as creator helps us to have good theology, During uh, the second century, shortly before this creed was written, there were several heresies, um, notably Marconianism, which we talked about earlier, and Gnosticism, which took different views of the material world. And both views operated on the premise that this world and everything in it was evil, and that only the spiritual was good. And this, in turn, had an impact on everything that we believed about Christ. But when we see God as creator, that he formed the world and everything in it, that he made it and said it was good, then we understand that our world that we live in and the bodies that we inhabit have value because of our creator. They're significant. They matter because he created them. It's not that they inherently have value. It, uh, their value comes from the fact that they were made and formed by him. Our physical lives have value as well. Third thing is that God as creator helps us see his loving nature. We read it earlier. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But one of the things that we believe as Christians is that he created it all out of nothing there was no pre-existing matter that god used to form the earth now he formed man out of the dust but that dust had to come from somewhere right god took it out of nothing the latin term is ex nilo out of nothing he created everything now that is significant because it gives us an understanding of how powerful and how amazing and how awe-inspiring God is. God, in an act of love, spoke into being rocks and trees and nitrogen and oxygen and water and birds and turtles and the stars and moon and planets and even you. He breathed his life into you. And the world exists today because God is almighty. You know, what's incredible about that is that he formed you and he created you because he wanted you. When we see God as as creator, we're understanding that we didn't just come about by random circumstance. It's that he wanted you he wanted you on this earth. He formed you and knitted you together in your mother's womb. He loved you that much. We have a, a creek in our backyard. Um, and I had been promising Kayla for, for a long time now that we were going to build some steps out of some old fence posts that went down to the creek because our kids like to play down there. And uh, we'd been promising to do this for a while, and, and I'd gotten the materials that we needed and um, yesterday, we actually went out and, and built those steps. And, and I made Kayla come with me. And, you know, frankly, I could have done it faster by myself. Uh, we basically we took these steps and drilled holes through them and then pounded rebar down through the holes into the ground so that they would stay in place. And it's, it's hard work. And so I had just my little five pound hammer and I'd get it started and then I'd hand it over to her to finish. And what I could have done in two or three blows took her about 30 because she's, she's just a little girl, right? She doesn't have that much strength yet. Um, and we went and we worked through this and it took a while and we finished those steps. And can I tell you something? That place means so much more to Kayla because she was a part of building those steps than it ever would have if I would have done it for her. You know, in the same way, God created you and me. And can I tell you something? He doesn't need you to accomplish his purpose. Right? We already said that earlier. He's sovereign. He can do it by himself. He doesn't need you. But he chose to redeem you, to pay the price for you, and to invite you to work with him to accomplish his purpose. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. It's his nature and his character. It's who he is that he wants to bring us along in the process. You know, God the Father is probably the most misunderstood person of the Trinity. And, and there's a reason for that it's because many of us as human beings have had messed up relationships with our earthly fathers. And those images that we have of our earthly fathers project onto our relationship of God as father. But can I tell you something? Our God is a perfect father, and he wants to redeem your brokenness, and he wants to redeem your hurt, and show you what a good father does. And he's invited you to come alongside him, to live your life with him, and to help fulfill the plans that he has for this earth if you're willing to submit to him, and he does it because he wants to spend time with you, because he wants to involve you in that process, because he loves you, and he created you, and he knows you. Now, I don't know about you, but that encourages me. I can get excited about that. We have a good Father.